Ripelist.io. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Right Fit Podcast. I'm Daryl Jacobs, your host. Join me every Friday at noon Eastern time with decision makers from both collegiate athletics and professional sports. But joining me today is a partner at Prodigy Search, one of the most sought after search firms in the industry. Please welcome to the show, Mark Gress Jr. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to definitely, definitely share your wisdom and insight on this crazy industry of sports and, and the recruiting and selection process. I really thank you for coming on board with us uh, today. Uh, before we get started with the Q&A, Mark, talk a little bit about your journey into the search firm industry. Absolutely. Um, my, my pleasure. And it's, it's, it's unique because we joke about this here at the office that nobody really goes to school to be a recruiter, right? I, I actually didn't have any human resources classes more than 20 years ago in college. I didn't take anything on talent acquisition or executive search. Uh, truthfully, I didn't know it existed, but I think with many people in our industry, right, uh, we're always drawn towards major college athletic programs or big four, big five sports leagues and teams. We don't think about agencies like ours and what we do and the service we provide. So truthfully, I was your, I was, I, I fit in that bucket, right? I was working at the Philadelphia Eagles. I was working in college athletics at Drexel University. And I thought I had a path either in pro sports in the NFL or in college athletics. Um, I, I really truly enjoyed what I did in both of those, at both of those organizations and um, got started again, like I said, um, coming up on, I guess, maybe closer to 18, 20 years ago at one of Prodigy's competitors. And I was, um, I remember, I remember sitting in, uh, in a class my senior year of college with a, um, an undergraduate and uh, his name's Andrew and Andrew's since gone on to work for the Oakland Athletics, the 76ers, really nice, uh, long career um, within sports entertainment and the nonprofit area. And Andrew was doing a uh, summer internship at, uh, at Turnkey Sports at that time. They're no longer Turnkey Sports, but um, he knew I was graduating and he said, have you ever thought about searching? I didn't know what the heck he meant, right? I didn't know, and I thought recruiting, I thought what you and I know about recruiting, Gal, right? I thought players and coaches and sitting in the parents' house and getting them to your school or your university and, you know, getting them on your team. I thought recruiting, like we all think about recruiting. And um, I didn't even know about Robert Half or, you know, the, the accounting or technology search firms, uh, let alone a sports one. But I was like, absolutely. I need a job. I need a salary. I need to pay off my student loans. And so I said, however I get into sports, I get into sports. And that was my, uh, that was my entree. Into it. And, and now Prodigy is my second stint in executive search. I've been here for uh, nearly eight years. But uh, happenstance, I got, I mean, a little bit locked. I mean, right, I was sitting in a classroom with, with somebody that knew I was graduating and he happened to be working down the street. He, he lived in Haddonfield, New Jersey, right down the street from where Turnkey was and, and got my, he helped get my foot in the door. I've since repaid it, by the way, but he got my foot in the door in executive search. Well, that's what relationships is all about. You never yeah. know who can help you. Um, yeah. It could be a classmate. It can be anybody. That's a great story, Mark. Talk about who and what is Prodigy Search. Sure. So Prodigy Search is an executive search firm uh, based out of New Jersey as well. It's kind of odd that there's two prominent uh, search firms based in, in the state of New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey. And uh, we were founded in 2007. So this is our 15th year in business. Our primary focus was sport, is, is sports entertainment, but uh, we, we rebranded from Prodigy Sports uh, a handful of years ago to Prodigy Search, truly because we started to get into some other areas and uh, nonprofits being one. But we, we also do recruit in um, the media space, sports technology, even esports. So it's not just sports nonprofits that took us out of the for-profit areas of sports entertainment. It was a few other areas and hence the rebrand. Um, 
you know, in a nutshell, we're, we're the outsourced HR or, or talent acquisition arm for these organizations, right? Um, we're very much a boutique agency. We have a staff of just under 10. Um, certainly, uh, pre-pandemic, we were at that 10 number, but we never really had aspirations to be, you know, much more global than that. There's, there's a lot of reasons that go into wanting to stay boutique. Uh, and the reasons, uh, the reasons I think uh, benefit us sometimes. In some cases, um, you go with a larger global firm um, because you, you don't get fired for hiring um, Microsoft, right? So uh, we, we like being boutique. Um, our founder, Scott Carmichael, he, he spent uh, 40 years in the industry. Um, incredible executive, great boss. I'm not just saying this because he may be uh, tuning in, but he got to start as a Lakers ball boy back in the day and, and uh, had a long career. Uh, among other places at the LA Kings, uh, worked for a period of time at the Clippers, and even the NHL League office in New York City uh, before joining ANC Sports, and um, and then founded Prodigy in 2007. I, I joined here, I think, uh, this seven and a half years. It was January of, of 2015 that I joined Prodigy, and uh, we have a great staff, hungry group, motivated, um, smart people. You and I were just uh, chatting over, over the last few days about uh, Aaron Tyson, who's a new addition to our team, who you know. Uh, but we have a great team, a lot of tenured people that uh, that have been here for just as long as I have, and and also some new blood that we brought on um, post-COVID that uh, we're rebuilding, and uh, really confident the team we have here. Talk about the area. If there's a particular area that you are specifically overseeing. So, <laughs> it's a great question. So, I, yeah, I'm a partner. It's an odd title, right? Uh, you know, you hear about partners at, a, at, a, at accounting firms. My wife's a CPA, right? And there's partners at accounting firms, partner at law firms. And I know there's partners at recruiting firms as well. It's a little bit unique to what we do in sports. I don't know if all the other boutique search firms in sports have partners, but uh, but Scott was kind enough to um, to to loop me in as a partner a few years ago. And uh, the team here will will often quip that uh, sometimes I'm the COO, sometimes I'm the chief HR officer. I, I don't care about titles. I'm not a title guy, by the way. I don't I don't want those titles. But um, we're a collaborative bunch here. We work well as a team. My, my core area of focus, though, Daryl, is is two areas, right? Along with Scott, I'd say he and I have, you know, it's, it's pretty simple, right? We bring on new searches and new clients to our firm. Um, so we lead kind of the business development side, but also we lead or co-lead some of those searches as well, especially at the senior most levels, right? So I would say I play a pivotal role um, in a few other areas, our DNI efforts as well. Uh, the whole company contributes that, to that as well, and they're, they're intimately involved in driving those DNI initiatives. Um, but we don't have specific verticals or disciplines. I, I think that's kind of the core of your question there, right? We all record, uh, recruit for all core business functions, right? So, um, you know, sales, marketing, finance, HR, DNI, um, legal roles, you name it. And I'd say at all levels, right? Director, VP, up to the C level. I don't think we solely focus on professional sports. I think we've, we've in 15 years, we've covered uh, everything from minor league sports to college athletics, though we don't really do AD or coaching searches. We've done other things with uh, some of the multimedia rights holders in college sports, um, but also sports agencies and, and also those outside the big five. That's been, I, I think, the thing I'm most proud of is our growth outside the big five to uh, organizations like the PGA Tour, the UFC, NASCAR, et cetera. Talk a little bit about why do you think search firms have become so popular, particularly in the sports industry? It's, uh, it's a tricky answer, right? And, and and we're family here, right? I don't know if you're going to listen to this, but I, I think there's a few different answers to that, right? I would say for, I would say for some, but not all, um, athletic director or coaching or 
um, commissioner searches in, in collegiate athletics. And and to be honest, I had cards on the table. I said we've never done searches for ADs, coaches, or, or commissioners in collegiate athletics. Um, we would love to, right? We, we, we have approached some of those. Uh, we've completed a ton of RFPs for those. We've, we've interviewed for some of them. Uh, we've never landed one of them, but it hasn't really been the core of what we've done. Um, to answer your question, and the reason I said it's tricky is I think you hire search firms for some of those particular searches as a cover you know what situation, right? I, and, I, and that's just me being honest, right? And, and I think most people um, already know the county pool for some, some of those jobs, right? Not every single one. I, you, you do need a search firm to do the legwork. Um, but if you if you do, here's my example, right? If you do a Google, a Google article search or you read on social media about who should be the next, um, I'll just pick on uh, a recent one with Bob, the commissioner of the Big 12, right? Their, their names are already out there, right? They're on Twitter. They're on they're on a million different articles out there about uh, who, the, who the potential candidates may be. So much of the heavy lifting is done for you because the experts, the media, the alumni of those schools, um, other people that are just kind of in the industry, they probably tell you that 10 or 20 names that should be on a quote-unquote list, right? Now, you need to gauge. I know the search firm has a job, right? You need to gauge their interests. You need to maybe sell them on the job. You need to help them with salary negotiations. But in the end, you probably know who the options are to be the next football coach of school X or the next commissioner of, of, of conference Y. Um, I'll, I'll, you and I talk frankly about this. Our industry doesn't always take hiring risks or reinvent the wheel when it comes to some positions, right? Um, now, the other, the, I said it's a tricky answer because there's another part of this equation, right? Which is the, the, the business functions within sports and entertainment. I, I think there are a few reasons you hire a search firm, right? So, so this is my real answer. Um, it's still a manpower or a person power situation um, to where these HR and, and talent acquisition departments um, within sports organizations are small. They, they and they don't have the bandwidth. They, they just it's a it's still viewed. I, I don't view it this way because I think a lot of the, the top chief HR officers or chief recruiting officers or heads of talent acquisition um, need larger staffs and more support, more of a budget. But they're still seen as a cost center, right? So so you're not always going to dedicate a ton of resources. So it's more cost effective to maybe outsource it to a search firm because your current internal staff can't really handle it. Um, a few other reasons. Search firms can dive deeper into non-sports networks and bring in outside talent, right? That's been happening a lot more recently to where we bring outside talent to our industry. Um, I'll give you one other reason too that comes to mind um, and, and I can pause too in case you have a, a follow-up because I, I do have a few other reasons. They can source more diversity by way of race and gender, but also backgrounds and education, right? So. My point is, you don't see all Ivy Leaguers up for the same jobs, or all, and this is no disrespect, all Ohio University or UMass alumni up for the same job. But it's good that you hire a search firm that can say, okay, I can dig deeper into search uh, areas and criteria that we typically haven't looked. Um, but a few other reasons: you want an unbiased perspective, right? You want you come to us because we're we're unbiased. We we can help that organization succeed. Um, and, and figure out where their needs are without being kind of an insider to that organization, right? Not being on every meeting, every conference call, uh, or being a lifer with that organization. You hire a search firm because we have an unbiased perspective. We think this person will do well there. Um, and then the last answer, we know who the best of the best are, right? One of the things we do um, every day is that you, we trust our vetting processes. We trust our gut instinct. But we also do a ton of due diligence on candidates, so we need we can tell you the difference between two two top tier candidates, who's more qualified and who's a better fit. Talk about, and this is a good segue into my next question. Talk about some of those companies or organizations you have worked with. Yeah, the um, our first few clients. It's funny. Uh, I sit in our conference room behind me. 
Um, I think it's the LA Kings. Now that I'm thinking about what's behind me, um, but but I, I look over uh, throughout the conference room here. Uh, we have a, a Cowboys jersey to my right. We have a Lakers uh, poster up here to uh, to my front right, and then to my left, uh, the Boston Bruins. Uh, Willie O'Ree's over here to my my left. Magic Johnson to my right. Tony Romo was over here. So so I think about a lot of our um, our first few clients, right? Cowboys, Lakers, Yankees. They and, and by the way, we still work with them. Uh, so I'm not saying. Well, we've moved on from those. Nobody wants to move on from some of the most global uh, sports organizations, but we do work with um, unique organizations that, um, that that have challenged us, that have partnered with us, have trust us with their work, right? So agencies, right? Endeavor, uh, current search we're doing for Sport5, uh, the previous year with Lagardere. Um, but we work with food and beverage companies, Delaware North, Sodexo, Levy. Um, the sports nonprofit space has been very kind to us too, even outside of the, the Olympic national governing bodies. Uh, who, who have been tremendous. Those winter and summer Olympic uh, NGBs have been tremendously loyal to us. But organizations in the sports nonprofit space, like a Move United, they work in the disability space, um, U.S. Association of Blind Athletes, or even USA Lacrosse, who isn't, um, who, who may be on their way to performing in the Olympics. But those are organizations that traditionally we weren't, when we thought about the big four, you know, now we've done work outside of that um, to, to some of those other areas. Um, and those searches we work on, Daryl are heavily weighted towards sales and marketing, right? That's still true. It was true in 2007, still true now. But we've done work outside of that, right? Um, analytics and, and the insights side of things, venue operations. We're doing a search right now for, um, for project management and also your typical leadership roles, right? Your CEOs, your CROs, some executive director positions as well. So again, more of a high level overview, but, but a great question, yeah. Let's dive into to the process a little bit. Sure. Talk about the do's and don'ts when interviewing, and how does Prodigy Search um, help candidates during the interview process? Yeah, I, uh, if I can start with the second question first, because I think it's a unique follow-up. Uh, it's, it's a unique question that doesn't get asked quite often, and maybe we don't even talk about this with our clients or other candidates, but it's, you know, again, is it a service we provide, you know, formally and officially? No, but what we certainly do help our candidates prepare the best for the jobs we're putting them up for, right? And I and I don't want to misconstrue what I'm saying there. We don't overcoach. We don't overprep. We don't tell them they're going to ask these questions. Uh, but we do a few basic things, right? So so preliminary, uh, we'll do uh, as much research as we can on the people they're meeting with. Um, beyond the job description, what's most important uh, to that organization in terms of culture and fit and need. And we'll put together a few documents. So it's, it's a little bit of a, um, you know, a prep sheet prior to them going into the interview. And we'll, we'll have a call or two prior to that interview or, or their final interview just to kind of talk through any of their, you know, their, maybe their jitters or any final questions, things to maybe stay away from. But it is a balancing act because we don't want to overcoach and overprep them. We want them to be themselves and we want it to be true and genuine. We we do tell them, hey, these are maybe the types of areas they might focus on during the Q&A, but we don't know. Um, the, the organization hasn't told us that they're going to ask us, ask the candidate these 10 to 12 questions. But so that second question that you asked actually is phenomenal because I don't think we talk about that enough with our candidates that we do want them to put their best foot forward. We do want to do the legwork for them by way of research and homework. Um, but ultimately, they got to be themselves. And they get to do some of that prep and you know, take the ownership on um, internally there. But but really, your question was about the do's and don'ts of the interview process. There's a little bit of the pre-interview. There's the, there's the during the interview. And then there's the, then there's the post-interview, right? So there's almost those three phases. I would tell you that beforehand, we always encourage candidates, and this this goes down to the, to the college student that's just graduating to the 25 to 30 year executive. This rule, these rules apply to everybody, right? Nobody's immune to 
preparing for an interview. So you do your homework and your research beforehand. You come in prepared. Um, treat it just like you would as if you were an athlete preparing to play, you know, in a baseball game or, or a basketball game. You you watch your film, you know, you see trends, you, you know, you do your homework before you go in there. Um, some of these things are awkward, but they are helpful. Rehearsing, looking in a mirror, recording yourself on a video platform like you and I are using or Zoom or Teams, record yourself, see how your mannerisms are, your eye contact is, and prepare, rehearse. Clearly, some of the basics, right? Dress the part conservatively, formally, bring your resume, bring something to write on, know the location of where you're going. If the location, location is video or phone, find a quiet area, strong Wi-Fi, good lighting. It's easy. It's so easy to nail a phone interview. It's so easy to nail a video interview because you can you can over prep. You can I don't say cheat, but you can do some things that make life easier on a phone or video interview that you can't quite do in person. Now during an interview, th this is the meat of it, right? Tell your story, right? Stop being so humble. Be confident. I always want to hear examples from people. I think nearly every question you get in an interview can be supported by an example. Almost every single one, right? And I always tell people I can interview me personally, Mark. I can interview for an accounting job, an engineering job. Um, I probably can nail the most superficial basic interview questions for, for any of those jobs I just mentioned, accounting, engineering, with generic and fluffy answers, right? I, I just could because I'm good at interviewing. But if you want if you want to prove yourself and you want to give tangible answers and something concrete and memorable, I would bomb those interviews, right? Because I wouldn't have anything that would be applicable or transferable, and, and I would just I would be stuck on the verbiage and the technical things, but I think um, here's the biggest thing. Always, always, always have questions prepared. Um, I know I talk a lot, Daryl, but if I can give you one story about this, it, it's it, it's, from, so it's 15 years ago, and, and it'll never leave my brain. We had a candidate who was a finalist for a job with Sacramento Kings, and uh, and that person won't he won't remember. I'm telling the story, and even the, the people that the people that I'm talking about, the Kings aren't even there. So this candidate went through one or two rounds of interviews with me one or two rounds of phone interviews with the Kings, and they invite him out, full day, eight hours out in Sacramento, the whole car wash of interview. His last interview of the day, and again, by the way, that's a long, that's a long day, I, I get it, and I'm not, I'm not gonna make excuses for either part, it's a long day, it's exhausting. The last interview of the day was with the president of the team, a guy named John Thomas, uh, and John was a great client of ours, we did a lot of work for him. And uh, I remember John calling us after the interview, and I said, John, how did it go? He said, guy pretty much you know nailed it did exceptionally well throughout the whole day eight hours of interviews um but i'm stuck on one thing at the end of his interview with me i said hey you know and by the way executive level position paying a ton of money big title big relocation a lot of responsibility a huge role reporting to john thomas and john said you know do you have any questions candidate said no like the answer was just no like it was just a quick and john said any pause and he said listen i want to give you another chance like just just think about it if, if, if there are any Kind of final questions for me. I want to make sure you're comfortable with you know me, the organization, the job. Candidate said no again. John shook his hand, went about his way, and he called us afterwards. Called me and our and our search firm and said, "No way, I can hire this guy." Like he didn't think about one, even one throwaway question to ask the president of the team for this big, humongous job. Even if they were already answered during the prior eight hours of interviews, you got to ask and you got to ask a question. I think that that can make or break an interview sometimes when people hold it in such low regard. Uh, people on the other side of the table, like me, hold it in such high regard. So, um, so that's my during interview, and then the after the interview is pretty simple, Daryl. I, I got a couple. I just got it's really, it's really one word. It's follow up. Maybe it's two words, but it's follow up with a hyphen. Send your email. Send your handwritten note. Address items maybe from the interview that that you want to address and ask additional questions. There's always got to be an after the interview part of the equation that sometimes gets forgotten. 
Great information, Mark. Um, really enjoying the conversation, but I got to pay some bills here. Um, so we're going to take a commercial break. You here watching and listening to The Right Fit. The Right Fit Podcast is brought to you by Rising Coaches Search and Consulting. Tired of spending what seems like all of your time and budget filling coaching vacancies? Let Rising Coaches Search and Consulting handle your next coaching search. Our process is simple. We identify, vet, and recruit a talented and diverse group of professionals that fits your institution's profile. All for a low price that we guarantee will beat our competitions. Plus, all of your searches will be handled by former coaches, meaning we will get the best possible insight on all of your candidates, and you'll get the perspective that only a former coach could provide. For testimonials, a full client list, or more information, please visit risingcoaches.com. Welcome back to The Right Fit. I'm your host, Daryl Jacobs. I'm with my guest today, Mark Gress Jr., partner at Prodigy Shirts, and we're talking about The Right Fit. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned previously about trends. Talk about some of those trends that people need to know and keep abreast of that's happening now. Sure, I've got a few thoughts on that, and, and I, I might jump around a little bit, but but I was um, I, I wanted to make sure that it was very uh, applicable to recruiting and careers in our industry, but also it, it can be this larger and broader um, kind of commentary on what goes on in the labor market. And the first one is pretty simple, right? I mean, um, remote remote work isn't going to be forever, nor is hybrid. Now, hybrid may last much longer, uh, and for and, and perhaps uh, the end goal. I think the end goal will be and should be um, some sort of better work-life balance for people in our industry, right? Whether that's flexible work schedules, um, whatever it may be. I just think, listen, and I'm not that old school and, and I'm not that 22-year-old or the millennial, whatever it may be. Um, so it's a, it's a fine line between the old school 60-year-old and then that, that fresh out of college person that just wants to work in their, their home office all the time. I'm not trying to be an old curmudgeon, nor am I just trying to ignore the obvious of the last two years. A lot of people have been productive, if not more productive than they ever have been. But I think flexible work schedules, a hybrid work schedule, more work-life balancers is what's going to win out. Um, then, then this complete lack of needing either commercial real estate or offices. Like, listen, if you need to, if you got to work for the Yankees, you probably need to work in the Bronx, right? I mean, you want to go work for the University of Miami, you got to be in Florida. Like, you, you, these, this, you know, and you might need to be in the office every so often. Maybe it's not 50, 60, 70 hours a week, and maybe you can come in late or leave early if you have family or personal things to attend. I think our industry will get better on that front. Uh, and it'll help us retain some talent. But, you know, the, the one thing I was most proud of our industry for, in took with this trend uh, over the last few years, creativity and innovation, right? I think people that may have always done things in traditional ways or always, you know, we always did things this way. Ticket sales, marketers, um, coaches, everybody. I mean, literally every business function in sports entertainment has been more creative and innovative over the last few years. It doesn't matter whether you're in HR, sales, finance, doesn't matter. We actually have, I appreciate, new and fresh and different. Like I, I like that. I think our industry's done an exceptional job of that. Um, the, the great resignation, right? Um, well, that'll hit a reset button, by the way. I think that's going to be a trend. It's going to go the other way. There will be a slight reversal in that. I don't know if that great resignation will continue to hit the sports and entertainment industry forever or for much longer. I think there's going to be a, a little bit of a shift there. Um, a couple of other ones, just brief. I, I think the forgiveness for job hopping and the forgiveness for career transitions during the last two years may eventually be harder. Uh, you know, it'll be easier to, 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 to explain and easier to swallow, I guess I would say, right? So I think people will 
will give a little bit more freedom and will say, listen, I get it. Moves you may think, you know, whether it be furloughs, layoffs, or are you taking a career chance um, or taking a risk and maybe it didn't work out. I think the last few years, even, you know, even different than maybe 2008, 2009 with um, the, what happened with the labor market then, there's going to be a lot more forgiveness now with, with job hopping and people just making some calculated risks um, in, in terms of their career. So people are going to be a little more forgiving there. And then the last thing is this. Um, this is a little bit more of a trend. I would say people are becoming a little bit more cautious of those sports startups, right? Looking at their funding, looking at, um, you know, looking looking at their longevity. And I'm not just picking on, I'm thinking about like this past weekend with the USFL, right? Um, whether it be startup football league, just that's just one example, by the way, but there's a ton of them, sports technology, esports. Um, there's a ton of these sports startup uh, organizations that have happened over the last few years. I think, I think uh, they're, they're popping up and there could be some great career opportunities, could be equity, but um, job seekers are being a little bit more cautious and they're being smarter about just taking the first thing that comes their way and, and joining those organizations. Yeah, that's another great segue into our next questions. Talk about the industry opportunities you may see on the horizon. You know, I, I think this is a it's a it's a tre- it's a trend beyond the horizon um, that Prodigy tried to do. But I think I think our our industry uh, and job seekers and uh, in terms of opportunities that people are looking at in their careers, and this this goes down from the entry level to the executive, and from coaches to administrators to people on the business side of sports. Look beyond the big five. Like look look beyond those big five sports leagues. Like how many jobs are out there? at sports organizations that very few people pursue, right? And there, there's a ton. Um, this, this, And it's not just the entry-level 22-year-old, right? And it's not just for coaches that, you know, coaches that have aspirations to be at the D1 level or being a pro level. Like, you can, if you want to, if you have aspirations to be a coach uh, and, and there's no doors open in, in, in the pro levels of football, like, why not go to the USFL? Why not go to the XFL that's coming up with the Rock in, in a year? Um, you know, same thing with basketball. Like, look at, at um, what is it, overtime elite or – you know, look at the, you know, if there's ways to get beyond the big five that get you to that point, if that's your aspirations, right? Um, I think about this, right? Here, here's a, you know, you can, you can, you can zig and zag a little bit, right? That's my point. So if you're a director in Major League Baseball, your boss isn't going anywhere, but but there's a VP job at Live Nation or Top Golf or iHeart Media. Well, go there, have success, and then come back to baseball, right? Go, go get that big job at baseball again down the road, right? So. So that's just kind of one, you know, one thought, you know, in terms of sports opportunities on the horizon. Um, other things on the horizon: continue, continue growth of data and analytics roles, still growing, still evolving. Um, and and along with that, by the way, DNI roles still growing and evolving. By by what I mean by those two is those departments are growing, those positions are coming up, and are, are happening more beyond the coordinator and manager level, right? They're happening at the director, VP, and C level. And those departments are growing by way of people and resources and and, uh, and support. Um, the trends we're looking at, right, in terms of more opportunities on the horizon, Daryl, you might expect me to say the sports betting and sports gambling, right? Um, and then I, I look at this and I, I try to think of the best way to phrase it without sounding um, so like uh, hokey about it. But you look at look at those organizations that that uh, have aspirations to rule the world, right? Barstool, Oakview Group, right? You can tell, right? They always want to. They always want to rule the world, and, and by the way, they may be already. Um, but look at those organizations that are that are just uh, doing amazing things, um, and I and I respect the hell of those organizations that um, have had some of their best times over the last two or three years. So, um, so kudos to them because those are the things on the horizon that are that are coming up in the near future. I, I, the next question I get asked a lot, you know. I, I've been hosting this show and I have so many decision makers coming on the show, whether it's athletic directors and search firms such as 
uh, Prodigy Search and someone just like you coming on board. They want to know what can a candidate do to differentiate themselves or distinguish themselves during the interview process. Yeah, it's it's actually it's a phenomenal question, and I thought about this from two perspectives, right? Our perspective of Prodigy, which I'll admit, right, is jaded because we might be interviewing a certain way or looking for certain things. But then I looked at it from our client's perspective when they interview candidates and they come back to us with feedback. What are they telling us? And so I tried to bring those two things together. The first of which I, I think is pretty simple. I mentioned it with respect to um, you know earlier on in our conversation, maybe 15, 20 minutes ago, but I want to repeat it know your story and tell your story, right? It shouldn't be, that should be the easiest thing to talk about is yourself, in all honesty. And this isn't a time, I'm not saying be cocky. I actually, I think that is a challenge for me. I, I don't have an ego, so it is tough to talk about myself. But when you're being interviewed, either in this setting or for a job, that's not the time to uh, to, to be too passive. Um, I, I think being more uh, enthusiastic and passionate, we've had clients tell us, listen, they check up all the boxes. The resume is phenomenal. They have all the skills, but when we interviewed them, there was just no energy. There was no oomph there. There was no, um, they just wanted a little bit more, a um, little bit more activity during those conversations, whether that be phone, video, or in person. So enthusiasm and passion. I talked about homework earlier. Another way to talk about this is conducting your due diligence. Do your homework on who you're meeting with, um, that organization, Google them, call around about them, look them up on social media, do your homework, do your due diligence. Uh, be smart about your follow-up, right? Add value. I think that's always a big thing, adding value, show your worth. And the last one is, is pretty simple. Be transparent and be honest, whatever that may be, right? I'll pick on a few things. Salary, your willingness to relocate, your genuine interest in the job, not just dipping your toe in. So transparent, honest, uh, and then that's kind of how I wrap up the other things. I think from knowing your story, telling your story to the very end of that, of just being being honest and transparent, no, no sugarcoating things, no... Uh, no playing the game or dipping your toe into into the search if you're a candidate or something. Well, this is the last question. I think this is probably the best part of my podcast that I like. Uh, we get to know you on a personal level and uh, some things that might be important to you that they may not know. Um, you know, it's not my fault if you start getting resumes and all that kind of stuff. Don't, you know, you know, call me and say, Darrell, you created a monster. <laughs> Again, you know, Prodigy Search, as I mentioned, is one of the most sought after search firms in the sports industry. But word association. I say a word, name, place, or thing. You say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, now, remember, your boss may be watching this at some point in time as well. Sure. Um, Philadelphia. Uh, brotherly love. How's that? That's the two words, but I think I give you credit for that one. Right. Drexel University. Uh, that's home. That's home for me. Uh, undergrad and graduate degree. That's 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 home for me. Love that place. Family. Uh, love. And finally, Prodigy Search. I have on my second home. Drexel's my first home because my it's, it's where I started. But but um, no, Prodigy is. Um, I I think we have we have we have our core values, Daryl. I, I know this is work association. We have core values. But I, I do think we're a group that is that, that that is passionate about what we do. I think we're we're a very genuine group. Um, we're honest. We're trustworthy. But if you're asking me about Prodigy, this is family. This is my other family. Could you ask me about my my family, like my wife and two kids? Yes, I, I love them uh, for the obvious reasons. I like my wife and two kids. But this is this is my second family. This group, you know, we spend more time at work than you do with your family. So uh, this this is my second family. Wouldn't change anything about the group we have here. 
Well, Mike, thank you for joining me today. And I want to thank the viewers for watching and listening in. Join me next Friday with another great guest here on The Right Fit. Until then, I'm Daryl Jacobs. Please stay healthy, stay safe, and have a great weekend.